It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. And my gosh, we are already into the month of December, um, which is hard to believe, heading for the holiday season. So um, I hope you're all relaxed and enjoying that holiday season. And I do want to remind you that I do have an app, a mobile app, called Narcissistic Abuse Awareness. So if you haven't already gone there, please check it out. And if you like it, I would really appreciate that you leave a review. According to a recent survey, over 52% of Americans are stockpiling in fear of the second wave of COVID, which I think we're already entering. And with previous stockpiling habits resulting in 76% of Americans gaining up to 16 pounds so far from mid-March, there is a cause for concern with this bad habit resurfacing. Today's special guest, Dr. Amy Lee, head of nutrition for NuCivic, has extensive knowledge of the health and wellness space. It is comprehensive and includes expertise in individualized weight loss plans, lifestyle modification through education, food medicine interactions, nutrition requirements for bariatric surgery patients, wellness education, and restricted caloric intake. She also has extensive knowledge in ketogenic eating plans, diabetes prevention, lean protein superfoods, anti-inflammatory foods, functional foods, and essential vitamins and supplements. Dr. Lee is triple board certified in internal medicine, medical nutrition, and obesity medicine. Her life's work and passion have been to help people improve their health through weight loss and wellness solutions. She has treated more than 15,000 patients over the course of her career and continues to help thousands of Lindora patients reach their wellness goals. Head of nutrition for NuCivic, Dr. Lee is an expert in weight control, obesity, and nutrition. She has given medical talks for HBO, Hulu, PBS, and UCLA's famed Vital Signs series and has worked on weight control methods published in the medical journal Nutrition and Metabolism. Dr. Lee is currently board certified by the American Board of Internal Medicine and is a member of the National Board of Physician Nutrition Specialists and the American Board of Obesity Medicine. She is also chief medical officer for more than 30 nutrition clinics in Southern California and head of nutrition for NuCivic, which she's going to tell us about. Good morning, Dr. Lee, and welcome to A Fine Time for Healing. Good morning. Thank you for having me. My, my pleasure. Such a pleasure to have you. Um, okay, so um, what is the quarantine 15 or quarantine 16 that we're all kind of experiencing? I think we can all relate to that. 
yeah, it's, uh, you know, college 15 is no longer a thing. Now it's COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, in my experience, March, really, you know, uh, we have been seeing our existing patients as well as new patients coming in through our business with this new complaint of COVID-15 and even COVID-25. And so this is very, it's just a reflection of what's really going on in, you know, in the general public. You know, obviously my business is only in Southern California, um, but it holds true everywhere else. People are really having this similar complaint. Um, and it's, it's scary because, you know, overweightness and obesity is basically the baseline to a lot of the comorbid conditions that uh, we deal with, like your hypertension, diabetes, even chronic pain and fatigue, those are all related. So um, definitely very concerning for us um, in the medical community. And I would imagine that the fact that many gyms have been closed, that people aren't able to really get to the gym, and that sort of takes away our um, our habit of exercising, even though we could be doing it at home, which some people are, those of us who are really good about exercising uh, are probably finding ways to do it at home. But those who are gym rats or like to go to the gym every week are probably finding it difficult. Oh, for sure. Um, I think for a good portion of us, we do actually like that whole usual schedule of hitting up the gym. And, you know, even just checking in at the gym is sort of like a self accountability almost you know and I personally for example I do my yoga classes a couple times a couple times a week at the gym and maybe do a quick run on the treadmill but and even just showing up seeing some of the familiar faces at the gym uh, actually does help you know uh, mentally for a lot of us so not having that just creates this level of angst and almost anxiety like wow we're cut off from our one component of our day and either you become a little bit more creative about um, finding a substitution for that or you subject yourself to this level of sort of anxiety and frustration that your schedule is being changed by this pandemic. So are we actually in the second wave already of COVID? Uh, from data and all the information on the news, yes, we are. We are. I mean, even you know, I'm in California, so our governor is constantly putting out information on new on the news and online that you know now we're going through the second wave and things are being shut down again. So I see our local restaurants now basically shutting down the whole you know outdoor and indoor dining. So for me, that's obviously it, it relates to me much more. Um, of course, gyms closed down for the second time for uh, in our community as well. So we see it. It's, it's happening again. And the numbers in the hospital, hospitalization and uh, positive tests that are coming back are also very telling and it's astounding. And I know that your governor just um, just shut some, some more things down yesterday. He's, yep. You know. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It's such a big state to be doing this with, but I guess you have to do what you have to do. Um, how do you feel about shutting things down during this uh, pandemic? Uh, it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating as a consumer, for example. You know, uh, like we have friends and family, obviously, that we haven't seen for months because of that. 
And but as a physician, which you know, obviously that's my other hat. Uh, you know, and I hear stories as well. And even though I don't work in an ICU, but all my friends do, and they all work for you know medical centers and Kaiser, for example. And you know, you hear stories from them, and obviously they're not making things up either. So you know, they're seeing everything, and they're first responders, and it's scary to hear that you know some of the patients that they're seeing and the ongoing deaths that they're experiencing in ICU. And so, you know, you sort of have to step back and be practical about it. As angry as I am with all the great restaurants that I can't go to with my <laughs> husband, but, you know, we've got to be realistic that, you know, our ICUs are overwhelmed and they're packed and, and people are, are literally dying left and right. So um, it, it creates a lot of anxiety. I think even for myself as a practitioner, uh, there's that part of me where I want to shut these emotions down, but it is part of my life now. So, um, and I see that in all, a lot of my patients too. And all of a sudden, you know, people just start acting out and they do things that are totally against what they felt was right, like healthy eating and movement and exercise. All those things go out the door when someone's anxious. So it's, uh, it's pretty concerning. Yeah, it, it's so true. And I know in the beginning, or at least the first couple of months of all this, I was cooking more because obviously you can't, there was no place to really go. Um, but mm-hmm. I was also baking, which is something I don't do <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yep. because, because if I'm not home, I'm not going to eat it. And so I don't make it, but all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm baking cookies and then there's cookies in the house right. and I'm having, I'm having three cookies a day. And, um, and I started to notice the changes in my body and I had to back off, but, um, you know, and my kids it's were funny. just here. Yeah, yeah good. I was just, it's funny that you mentioned that. The whole baking phenomenon is a real thing. Even my patients are coming in and, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm baking way more than before. But for a lot of people, it's actually stress relief. And I'm sure it is for you as well. But, of course, mm-hmm. if you have the baked goods laying around on the kitchen counter, guess what? <laughs> You're likely going to eat it. So, Right, right, right. So I know that you wanted to talk to us about being more mindful of stockpiling, which is something that really happened initially. So let's talk about what it was like initially and, um, and how we can be more mindful of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the idea of stockpiling, for example, is the real, it's a behavior. It's a reflection of anxiety and this feeling of uh, something is happening. There's something unknown, and we don't know what it is, but we act out, right? And so, you know, the first, during the first wave of COVID, that was very obvious. All of a sudden, you go through the supermarket, and literally everything is gone. Uh, toilet paper, fruits and vegetables. And when you see that, you don't know how to comprehend or understand what the deal is. And most of us, you know, don't really understand the food chain and how the supermarket distribution works. So we just act on uh, our feelings and we also want to jump on a bandwagon and probably want to do the same. So we start buying things and so-called hoarding things that may make no sense. And I found myself doing that as well, you know, just going to the supermarket randomly for no apparent reason and start buying a bunch of stuff that I really don't really need just because I saw these empty shelves. Um, And so in general, I think we need to sort of step away because obviously we are in the second wave of this pandemic and we need to understand 
that is really unnecessary. And we need to talk to ourselves to calm down that sort of anxiety uh, within us. And each of us are very different, obviously. And so uh, I would say try to step back, be mindful, and do something a little bit different this time around. And um, because obviously from the first wave, we never really ran out of toilet paper and they do come back. And so uh, <laughs> with this time around, it's, it's the same. It's not going to go away. There's plenty of toilet paper in the world as well as fruits and vegetables. It's a matter of how we can control ourselves from acting out again. So many people are having their food delivery, not, delivered, not only um, their groceries, but their carry out and things like that. And it's, you know, so I like to go to Whole Foods and, what I've been noticing is it's nearly impossible to walk down the aisles now because there are so many fulfillment people um, that work for Amazon who are fulfilling orders that I can't even get down the aisles. So many people are having delivery now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the other no, thing was, totally... I... go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. The other thing was I was in um, Walmart the other day and there was this man behind me. And his cart was to the brim, overflowing, you know. And um, the cashier said to him, I think you better get another cart because I'm not going to be able to put your packages in the cart the way it is. And he said, oh, this is just the first of, of many because he said, this is the first time I've been out since COVID hit. I've been getting delivery, but I decided I wanted to save money. He goes, and so this is my first shopping um, spree. He says, and tomorrow I'm coming back to do my household stuff. <laughs> so wow. It was, re- it was kind of humorous, you know, to see like all the food he was buying. It was crazy. I was thinking to myself, right. how can you possibly eat that in the course of one week? Right. Right. And you but, probably but, want to look in his cart and see what he's actually <laughs> getting. And I guarantee you about 80% of the cart are probably processed foods with really long shelf life. And that's yes. what people are doing. We're freaking out, you know, and we're storing this stuff like squirrels. But then at the end of the day, the question is, are you truly eating it? And if you are, that's probably pretty concerning because likely it's probably packaged sugar and preservatives and things that could actually sit on your shelf for years on end can't be good for your body. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's true. And I know, I mean, we are um, vegan vegetarians over here. And so um, I sent my husband out to get me a couple of cans of chickpeas in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. I now have such a stock of every kind of bean, canned bean you can imagine in my, on my shelf. And I'm like, can I now give these to maybe, you know, the holiday food drives and things like that? Because I have so many beans that I'm not going to be using. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is a better way for us to shop? Well, it, you know, look in your own pantry first. I always talk to, talk to my patients about fixing your own environment because oftentimes now that we're stuck at home, for example, um, it's either the, you know, kitchen table where you have your little stand-up station set up and the kitchen, you know, and they talk about some of the very uh, dangerous places uh, in your house during uh, shutdown and you're stuck at home. It's either your bed or your kitchen. So kitchen is super important because we have our fridge and we have our cabinets filled with whatever that we fill it with. And there's this phenomenon phenomenon where we always check our fridge. You know, every 15, 20 minutes when we're bored, 
would go look at the fridge. It's not like it changed, you know, in the past hour or so. Uh, but we give in to whatever it is that is in our environment, and eventually we will eat it just out of boredom. So if you really, truly want to make a huge difference this time around during the second wave, go in your kitchen and just toss out all the processed, snacky foods that you have acquired from months prior and commit to yourself, look, I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm only going to put fresh foods, healthy foods into my kitchen. So then at least, you know, if you give into your emotion one day in the next week or next month, you know, you're at least eating the healthier options. And of course, when you start stockpiling and you will, um, some of the things that you want to focus on are your fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, things of colors, for example. Uh, yes, things do go bad quickly when it comes to fresh produce, but it's okay to go to the store, you know, more often than not versus like, your customer in Walmart that's packing his carts <laughs> up with probably things that could sit on the shelf for years and years. And the idea of, sure, we, we freak out at going to stores and, and supermarkets because it's COVID and we want to avoid others. But, you know, the supermarket community has also created these, you know, shopping hours for you. And you don't have to go during prime time. You can go early in the morning or late at night. These are also options. So I tell my patients, uh, fix the environment first and then replace your existing pantry with something better Then at least that's the first step uh, in making lifestyle changes. In your case, you're, you're kind of like a novelty. You know, I don't think many people stock up on canned beans. <laughs> so, and I don't think they'll actually run out at the supermarket. So you're good. <laughs> I'm good. I know. I know. I mean, should, should we have some kind of major zombie, you know, <laughs> um, exactly. Apocalypse. <laughs> I have beans. We will not have a problem with protein. Well, you can also throw the cans of beans at these zombies as well. <laughs> so true. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, they can be weapons. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and I would imagine that the uh, weight gain is contributing to people's depression because I know mental health is an issue for many people right now. People are mm-hmm. people who even those who, of us who normally don't have mental health issues are finding ourselves depressed. And so when you gain weight, that's going to add to it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I would say in general, even pre-COVID times, you know, my practice with obesity medicine, you know, we know that a lot of times people behave poorly, not because they they are out of control and and they just love food or decide not to uh, exercise. It's not all that. It really comes down to your baseline mental health. The majority of my patients are suffering from anxiety and depression um, and some kind of mental illness where it makes them behave poorly um, or they're at least not aware of what they're doing and the complications of. So with weight gain, it's a deadly cycle. You know, once you start gaining a lot of weight, for example, uh, the fat cells itself, you know, even the fat tissue that you are expanding in your body actually puts out inflammatory markers that affect your hormones. And, and that in itself could change the way we secrete our happy hormones or, or and inflammatory markers. So it could literally make you feel worse when you start gaining weight. And with weight gain, we also have 
things like just general fatigue. You just feel blah. You don't feel like you want to do anything. And that in itself is also related to that whole baseline of depressive symptoms as well. Um, of course, body image, for example, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't fit in these jeans or the shirt I used to uh, be able to wear like months ago because of this COVID weight gain. And you get yourself into sort of that rut again. And also some people have body dysmorphia. dysmorphia. So all these little things add up to your daily mental state and how you perceive yourself, you perceive others, and it's, you just get in that tunnel. Now, when you feel bad, what happens? You know, you know, let's just say you gain 20 pounds and you feel really bad about yourself. You don't feel like you want to do anything. You just feel blah. Guess what? You turn to food. You turn into one thing in the environment that could give you that little, and it could be food. It could be sugar. It could be, you know, the pastries and whatnot. Um, and also it could be alcohol. And these are the easiest things that you have access to. Even though there are other things you can do to make yourself feel a little bit better, like, for example, go out for exercise, call your therapist, um, you know, call a friend or something like that. But those are not easily accessible as well. So as humans, we always go for the easy, quick fix. And unfortunately, the benefit of having, you know, that little quick pick-me-up or that sense of euphoria uh, from a nice giant cookie has a lot of complications, <laughs> like weight gain. And so, unfortunately, most of my clients are sort of giving in to that kind of cycle, and it's concerning. And I know that um, we talk a lot about these the effects of COVID to a lot of our current patients as a talking point now. And, you know, it's, it's everyday life that we have to be mindful about and understand how things around us affect the way we act and behave. So it is mm. super scary. It is scary. Are you actually seeing patients in your clinic or are you doing most, most of it remotely? Yeah, so uh, my role as the chief medical officer is to basically camp out in corporate with my executive and troubleshoot for all these 30-plus uh, clinics that we have in Southern California. Um, but in the past couple of past few months, you know, we have to change for some of our workflow as well during, because of COVID. And then there's just more need for um, me being out there as well. So now I'm seeing patients consistently one to two days a week, which I do enjoy. Uh, because it really allows me to connect uh, hands-on with those that are suffering uh, from COVID. And also, it's, just, it's, it's a chance for me to get out of my office because some of my providers uh, actually, you know, they, they have families and can't provide uh, hours for me as well. So it just trickles down and affects everybody in the company because of this pandemic. Hmm. And I would imagine that you have to do weigh-ins for um for those who are having weight issues. So um, I guess people could do that at home, but they might cheat. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, you, in my business, the, the real um, sort of secret sauce is accountability. And so our business is essential. And so we stayed open since March, and we are super thankful and grateful for that. Um, but the patients do need us, you know, when you're struggling, you know, with weight and the complications of weight gain. Uh, it's not a condition or it's not something that you can just deal with yourself at home. 
And we do offer phone calls and care calls and whatnot to really uh, accommodate for those who can't come in. But I'll tell you the truth, majority of my patients still enjoy coming in, and they rather put on a mask and put on some gloves and come in to see a person because part of the complications of COVID is this isolation, um, you know, with social distancing. I don't think people really understand the actual mental impact on what happens with individuals and patients uh, when you tell them, look, you can't connect with people because of this pandemic. And I totally get the risk of potentially getting infected and being exposed, but there are a lot of things that we can do as individuals and be uh, careful about, you know, practice your precautionary steps, put on that mask, clean your hands at all, you know, as much as possible. And you really can actually make an impact on exposing yourself and that risk of uh, infection. So to this day, our business, we're still thriving and we're seeing patients and we're helping individuals sort of overcome this really tough uh, time in the past few months. Um, And it's very telling because obviously they're still coming in because they tell us, look, it's as much as, as scared as we are at home, the complication of us sitting at home and not having uh, that connection with people could be more detrimental. And to me, that's very telling. And I love hearing it because it really does mean that people are being affected in all different levels. And so we do our part. We try to make sure that we continue on providing the service that we have been and really help people prevent more weight gain. You know, let's just say I help you maintain your weight in the past few months. That to me is a success. You know, I just don't want to keep going down that path where you subject yourself to more weight gain because of ongoing stress of all the bad news on social media and whatnot. And so even just helping our patients maintain, it's, it's huge success for us. Do you does your do your clinics also see um, patients who have the reverse um, issues with uh, food eating disorders and um, anorexia and things like that? Are you mostly about bariatric and weight gain? Uh, we do uh, unintentionally. We do. Uh, you know, a portion of our patients do have underlying eating disorders. We don't treat eating disorders, but we definitely treat the complications of it. So a lot of times people with like history of anorexia or bulimia, for example, oftentimes are sort of one of those hidden history. They don't really talk about it to us uh, at first, but as you create and have this relationship with your patients, oftentimes these things do surface. And when they do, you know, we try to be their coach, basically. Come in for check-in, and when you're in a weight loss phase, for example, you come in five days a week. So we're almost kind of like an outpatient-slash-inpatient care for our patients. They come in five days a week, and they talk about their struggles. And it could be a daily struggle because you got to eat every day. Um, And some of these things do get – we do end up talking about it but we are in no way, we're not psychiatrists or trained psychologists to treat eating disorders, but we definitely serve a purpose for these individuals to help them sort of get along on their uh, daily struggles. Um, but definitely these things are sort of creeping up and, and it's surfacing because when people are stressed and anxious, 
a lot of times these diagnoses uh, becomes, you know, it worsens. And so we are seeing a lot more of that. And we're very sensitive to those patients too. So you are the head of nutrition for New Scythic. And so um, when you talk about we, um, you're talking about the New Scythic clinics that you have. So tell us more about what, what New Scythic is. Yeah, so Nucific is a nutrition supplement uh, company, and I've been with them since 2015 when we first sort of uh, crossed paths. And this is a company that has this vision to create good nutrition supplements uh, with good backing and good data. Now, we all know that a lot of these natural supplements aren't, doesn't, have to be FDA approved and you don't have to go through very strict regulations. And I think a lot of times we come across a lot of supplements online where it looks great. It has huge promises and, and and basically consumers are bombarded with a bunch of information and we don't quite know if they're legitimate. And so when I cross paths with this supplement company and you know in my history a lot of people do hit me up for um, being their spokesperson or or um, advisors but this company when I sat down with them they're legit I mean we're talking about panels of there's a department of just nutrition scientists that basically runs through uh, research papers on specific ingredients um things that obviously relate to health and wellness and weight management, um, which is my cup of tea. And so when I, when I got to understand this company a little bit more in detail, what they do, how they do it, and, of course, um, the writers, the, the medical writers that work with me, to really put really good content out to the world um, with evidence-based backing and research information to back every ingredient then for me as a practitioner and a physician in this type of practice, it, it made a lot of sense. So when we started working, it was just one or two products um, in our uh, portfolio. And as time went on, you know, I get excited over new ingredients myself. And because I am in that space, I, it's easy for me to get into the research and have the access to knowing uh, what's hot out in the community and this team just, you know, they work with me to really solidify this information and make sure that the information gets um, sent out in a good and safe way, I guess, to, to our consumers. So um, now we've been, I, I guess I've been with the company for five solid years and we are still continuing on with putting out really good information and content and I get a lot of feedback uh, from consumers where, you know, they, they enjoy the videos, they enjoy the information, because obviously we're not making things up. These are all evidence-based info. So I do enjoy that. And so, and we have a bunch of products now that has certain indications and benefits. Obviously, we're not curing anyone from any disease, but these are supplements that a lot of people could benefit from just to fix their baseline nutrition health and wellness. Um, and so this is why I work for them and been with them for so many years. Sounds like a great company. 
Is there, you know, I know that there's been fads through the years, especially with Dr. Oz and <laughs> with his um, Garcinia Cambogia extract. Mm. I remember when that first came out, I couldn't find it anywhere because it, once it hit, you know, everybody <laughs> right. wanted to take it. Is there is there something that works for everybody, or is it really just, um, or is it really more specific to each person's uh, metabolism or body, body, um, yeah, metabolism? I would say. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's different. There's not one diet that's right for anyone. Uh, personally, I think it's something that you do have to uh, investigate and understand your body, uh, for example. And so, you know, for most of my patients, for example, we deal with basically the overweight, obese, middle-aged female. Um, this is really in a diet business. And this is the population that are really receptive, you know, to, to regimens and diets, and it affects us, right? And there's a lot more overweight females out there than not um, versus men versus kids, and it's, it's just the nature of our changing bodies. You know, why are we only seeing overweight middle-aged female? Uh, because it affects us in our lifespan. And so going through, you know, being in this business now for over 10, 12 years, everyone is so different. Not one diet can be perfect for anyone. Some people do really well with, you know, the plant-based diet. Uh, a lot of people do really well with ketogenic diet. And within a ketogenic diet, there are different variations of how we can get you into ketosis. And so if you don't understand all the different types of diets out there, it would be really hard for you to find a diet that's right for you. And I think that's why there's so much information online now. And if you, Google diet, you know, you'll get probably 30 different regimens. But the good news is there's only three macronutrients that we eat on a daily basis, you know, which are your proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So it's just a matter of understanding what proportions of what that you can eat and make it work for you when it comes to fat burn versus muscle maintenance. Um, and so in my business, this is what we do. And we talk to our patients. Some of them would show up and they're like, you know what? doesn't sound like something I want to do. I don't really care to eat animal-based proteins. And I really prefer a lot more of these other things. And then it's, you know, then it's not right for you. So, uh, but the good news is it's, it's, there are many different variations of programs out there. And it's just a matter of finding a right one for you and your lifestyle. And you said that you see a lot of um, middle-aged women who are having weight issues, and a lot of that is related to hormones, right? Because, or, or actually menopause or the changes in the body, <clears throat> because I think it becomes a lot harder to control your weight uh, when you get to that middle age or that um, menopausal age. So yep. do, you work, do you work with hormones? Um, does that, is that part of it? Yeah, um... Currently, we are in a process of uh, creating a hormone therapy within our company. This is obviously kind of news to the world um, behind the scene. And so, you know, as the chief medical officer, I am sort of in charge of new programs and whatnot that would relate to the practice of uh, weight management. And so we're de definitely going to be tapping into that uh, space. Now, hormones in itself, it's it's super important. And I think maybe 30, 40 years ago, even as a conventional internist that uh, I am trained to be, 
we weren't trained. We weren't trained the whole, you know, the aspect of hormone replacement. And oftentimes because of bad data and even inconsistent data from the previous past, uh, there is this misconception that hormones cause cancer and whatnot, and it freaks everyone out. But many years later, there has been way a lot more studies and a lot more promising studies, and of course, a lot of uh, real life practice that have shown that hormones are more beneficial than not. Now, for me, I always tell my patients, look, if you want to lose weight, you can't think of your motivation to lose weight can't be just to fit into a dress or going to a wedding or, you know, um, something unrealistic. You have to understand that you are going to gain weight as you grow older because of the way your body will continue on changing. So for me, if someone wants to lose weight, you got to think of weight loss your way of slowing down the process of aging. And if you can accept that, then everything is possible. And, of course, of course the middle-aged female uh, hormones disruption is the biggest factor that causes weight gain. And I'm going to tell you, you know, for females, for example, you think about our lifespan. Our weight fluctuation really is dependent on the stages of where we are at. For example, when we're little girls, uh, our first weight fluctuation comes about during puberty. And oftentimes we gain a bunch of weight when we all start our period. And then it stabilizes. You know, life factors would affect the way we gain more weight or maybe we'll lose weight and we get into college. We go into college and then we accept this idea of college 15, maybe college 20 for some people. We just gain weight because of our lifestyle. Then we get out into the real world and we start working really hard. And maybe now we can afford to actually, you know, pay for a monthly gym membership. Then we start changing our weights again. But then we get married. And, of course, what's next? We have to have kids. So then we take another hit where we are going to gain weight because we're now in childbearing age and we're now carrying a baby. And oftentimes a lot of people don't lose that baby weight. They continue on gaining. And maybe two or three kids later, now they're probably 15, 20 pounds over what their comfortable baseline would be. Guess what? It's not going to go away because you're taking care of your kids. Now you have a job and you're also, you know, your wife and husband. So you got like three jobs going on. The stress doesn't help with your weight. And so oftentimes people gain more weight uh, during their childbearing age and being a mother. And before you know it, your kids are grown and you go into menopause. (laughs) You lose estrogen (laughs) and you start gaining weight again. And, you know, this whole lifespan of a female body, it's just, it's not going for us. So if you don't understand that if you do nothing different and you don't change the way you eat, you don't change the way you exercise and you just go on with life the way it is, you will gain weight. And most of my patients who come through and they ask me these, you know, the same question, why am I gaining weight? And I feel like I've been pretty much a clean eater. I exercise, you know, consistently. Um, but looking back, I don't know why I am stuck with those 20 to 30 pounds, you know, versus the comfortable weight that I was when I was in my late 20s. And so if you don't understand what your body is doing in those 20, 30 years, you are going to find me. You're going to Google Dr. Lee one day. <laughs> You'll ask me the same <laughs> question, and I will tell you the same thing. You know, you got to understand your changing body. So hormones is super important. Uh, hormone replacement, 
you know, during your late 40s, early 50s, and into your 60s is a uh, real potential therapy to help you at least lose a little bit of weight and maintain your weight loss. Um, And so I'm a big fan of it. I talk about it all the time in my practice. And all my colleagues, you know, at least what I train them also have the same understanding. And actually, to tell you the truth, half of my providers or doctors and nurse practitioners that work under myself are uh, on hormone replacement themselves because that's the culture of what we do in our weight management business. And so Mm -hmm. it's super important to think about all that. And unfortunately, it's overwhelming. It's another overwhelming fact. But it is something that we, in the medical community, we are much more comfortable with. And you can probably find a specialist in your local uh, area, whatever community you live in. You can literally find them online, and they will talk to you about it. So, do we are we better off thinking about um, our weight control in terms of dieting or just nutrition and healthy eating? As much as I want to say it's all about just nutrition and, and healthy eating and just overall wellness and just your overall health, um, I think it's a lot of people do sort of think diet as weight loss. And I think people should get away from that sometimes, you know, because you're not going to get that impactful weight loss overnight um, by eating differently for one or two days. It's a long-term, slow process. And I always believe that Slow is better than fast because you want time to accept the idea of a different diet, a different lifestyle, and you allow your body to actually do its thing when it comes to adapting to something new. And so I'm not a big fan of crash diets. Um, You know, and you see all kinds of regimens online where they're like, all right, you can lose three pounds in one week just by doing this. And oftentimes these are very restrictive regimens or you have to take out, you know, a huge food group and basically feel like you're starving for the week that you're on this regimen. And it shouldn't be like that. It should be something that, you know, it has longevity, something that's sustainable and something that you enjoy doing. You know, if you truly hate running, then don't run because you're not going to continue on doing it. But there are many other regimens and many things that you can do that fits your personality and uh, what you find doable. And just like food, right? If you, let's just say you just love cookies. You just love chocolate chip cookies. So instead of just buying these very conventional chocolate chip cookies, are there ways or are there companies out there that sell a better alternative? And I guarantee you there's probably 50 different companies that make chocolate chip cookies with better ingredients and uh, offer a better version. So it's just a matter of finding a better alternative that would fit your lifestyle. What about nutritional bars as, um, as um, instead of meals? Because a lot of people are doing that now because we're on the run. I mean, not so much during COVID, but we're on the run. And so we throw a bar in and if we can't have a meal, we eat those. But I never found that to be, uh, particularly um, to have any kind of control on my weight gain. As a matter of fact, I almost seem to gain weight on them. So what are your feelings about them? Um, yeah, you've got to do a little homework on these nutrition bars uh, because if you don't read labels, which most people don't, you will find yourself eating a bar that is as bad as the candy bar. 
And a lot of marketing nowadays are, you know, they're really, they're really tricky. You know, when you put, oh, healthy protein version, high fiber on the front label, and this is where we focus on things because we're such quick, you know, quick to act kind of society. We look at labels. We look for the brightest. We look for things that have shout outs that gives you this impression that you're picking a healthier option or you're buying a healthier option. Oftentimes, if you flip that bar over and start reading labels, you realize, wow, this is as bad as Reese's Pieces. Um, I'm not saying Reese's Pieces is horrible. In <laughs> it is fine. Right? <laughs> um, but you end up eating that bar on a daily basis, and maybe some people would even eat two or three bars as a meal replacement. Um, but it's packed with sugar and preservatives and it doesn't have much proteins in it. So then you find yourself getting hungry uh, quickly. It's so it's all about finding the bar that's right for you. Most of the protein bars nowadays, and if you remember maybe 20, 20, 30 years ago, remember like if you walk down the health food aisle, even in Whole Foods uh, that you mentioned where you shop, you probably find maybe two to three brands that you, that you sort of stuck with almost. Oh my gosh current day and age, you walk down the Whole Foods aisle with the protein bars, it's overwhelming, right? And you got 20 different brands, all different colors and variations. And if you don't know what you're reading, likely you're just going to grab whatever, right? So um, I'm a big fan of bars. And here's just a tip. I'm a big fan of bars. When you look at the nutritionals, a bar that has about 15 to 20 grams of protein in one bar, it's probably a good protein bar. And for me, proteins uh, actually is the one macronutrient that helps with satiety, with the sensation of fullness. So, but all these bars are sort of made and manufactured in a way where we know that 15 to 20 grams of protein, it's about a uh, food proportion that keeps us full. So if you see bars that have like eight grams or 10 grams of protein, it's probably one of those snacky bars where you'll eat it and you'll probably feel really hungry um, shortly after. So focus on the 15 to 20 grams of protein per bar and look for bars that have some alternative sweeteners. Okay. And so it holds true that when you read a label, when you read ingredients, if the first thing is high fructose corn syrup, you want to throw that bar back on the shelf. Um, But the great thing about modern day food industries that we are now using a lot more alternative sweeteners. Some people really hate artificial sweeteners, which is fine because now that we are finding even better ingredients like monk fruit as sweeteners, for example, some people really like stevia and those are better alternatives because of the um, amount of calories per gram uh, compared to your table sugar. It's much lower. Um, And in that way, if you are able to find a bar that keeps you full, at least serve as a meal replacement, then you are, you know, at least providing that kind of, you know, sort of nutrition in place of a meal for lunch or for breakfast. So in your case, it's just a matter of finding a bar with a lot more protein and, of course, fiber as well. So mm-hmm. always read that label. And are we better off with, um, like, uh, sugar alcohols like erythritol that we are like sorbitol or um, are there artificial? I mean, I know that stevia is a major one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing more with erythritol lately. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that is that healthy for us? Is that okay for us to eat? Yeah, um, it's a good alternative. Um, just 
as a side note, uh, sugar alcohol, if you overeat it, can cause diarrhea. <laughs> so it's just the, it's the mechanism of this type of ingredients in your body because uh, it's the calorie to sugar alcohol is about half the amount table sugar per gram. People do like it as a diet alternative. We see it in a lot of our diabetic foods and offerings and foods that are considered diet foods, uh, but you can overeat it. And is it harmful to your body? Not so much. It's just one of those ingredients that actually doesn't get absorbed in your, in your system um, adequately. So therefore that's why your body doesn't see all the calories uh, at the end of the day from a sugar alcohol product versus regular sugar. Uh, but definitely it's, some people really don't tolerate it because it's one of those things where some people just have intolerance to certain ingredients that their bodies aren't used to. So if you find yourself having one protein bar made of sugar alcohol and you're just having consistent diarrhea, for example, then it's probably not right for you. But for those who actually don't have any reactions to it, it's probably a better alternative to your conventional sugar. Okay. For sure. And, and what about fats? Because I know when I, you know, because I'm somebody that will stand there for 20 minutes and read every bar. And I usually walk away with nothing <laughs> because I'm looking mm-hmm. for, I'm looking for mm-hmm. the, the balance between protein, low fat and low or no sugar. So um, mm-hmm. are there certain, but sometimes the fats are healthy fats. So what are, mm-hmm. what are the fats that we should not be concerned with? Um, yeah. you know, are nut, nut fats and things like that better for us? Or, what, you know, what do you have to say about yeah. that? Yeah, there's a lot of controversy over fats in general because, you know, remember back in the 70s, there's these, uh, the huge craze or the huge nutrition guidelines in the 70s point everything against fats. And so I think in our previous generation, uh, like even your mom or your aunties, they lived in the years where fats are the enemies, right? When in reality, many years later, we realized it wasn't fat that causes diabetes and heart disease. It's actually the processed sugar um, that has a bigger impact. Um, so if you, and, and the fact is too, you have to eat fats. You, your body needs essential fatty acids uh, to be healthy, and so you do need fats. You can't avoid fats. Fats isn't everything. Even in a piece of chicken breast meat, there's still fat in it. So now it's a matter of understanding, all right, how much fat do I really need and, you know, ways to acquire better versions of fats. I'm a big fan of essential fatty acids. You know, obviously you can take supplements, fat, you know, fish oils. But when you eat food with fats, such as, you know, fats that you use for cooking, there are different many variations as well. Uh, people shy away from butter and ghee, but in our reality, moderation is totally fine. I tend to recommend my patients, and if they are going to cook with fats, you know, cook with fats that are more like your olive oil and your avocado oil. Uh, coconut oil is also an, a better alternative um, just because of the fatty acid chain, uh, which is considered what we call medium fatty acid chain, so it's much shorter, so our bodies actually process it very differently, uh, versus the soy and the corn or the synthesized vegetable oil, for example. Those types of fats are fine if you eat in moderation, but unfortunately, when you cook uh, corn oil, soybean oil, and uh, vegetable oil at really high heat, at their high smoke point, 
oftentimes they could actually convert to trans fats by nature. So um, this is something that we all know. Trans fats are horrible because it causes uh, cardiovascular disease and, and everything else. So you want to make sure that the types of oil that you're cooking with should be certain oils that doesn't transition into trans fats. And when you do eat oils, oils and fats do have a higher calorie content per gram compared to all the other macronutrients. So yes, even good oils you can overeat and gain weight with. So it's all about moderation with your oils um, and being mindful about the types of oils that are in your processed foods. And let's just say your protein bars, let's just say you use protein bars as a meal replacement because you're on the go all the time. Read that label because the label will tell you what kind of oil is in that protein bar. And oftentimes it's either the difference between hydrogenated oils, which are your processed oils, versus palm oil, which is a very oil similar to coconut oil. So always focus on the ingredients difference on labels. But otherwise, yes, you can overeat oils even in their better version. So be careful of that. Hmm. Yeah, I've recently switched to avocado oil. I really like it. Um, it doesn't really add any kind of different taste to the food. It does mm-hmm. have a, a higher um, heat point, and um, yep. yeah, it's really it's really kind of nice. So yeah, and definitely definitely cook with the avocado avocado oil because at a high heat point, it doesn't change the omegas in it. Versus olive oil, if you cook it at a really high smoke point, it actually converts over to your higher omegas. Not that omegas are bad. Omegas are great. But if you know that if you cook and not cook certain oils, you're not going to convert the fatty acid conformation, then, you know, there's just fun news, a fun fact about your oils. So eat your olive oil raw and cook with your avocado oil. Right. That's good. That's good advice. So um, what else would you like to share with us or what else do you think is important for us to know, you know, sort of getting back to this quarantine and um, how we're all dealing with it? I think overall, it's just now that we're in the second wave, uh, rethink about what we're really doing. And at the end of the day, when you're in the privacy of your own home, you tend to do things that may are just bad behaviors. And so we talk about foods. And I think my last tip would be really watch that alcohol uh, consumption as well. Uh, And we see a lot of patients who admit to the fact that, wow, I'm finding myself drinking way more um, for obvious reasons because it's there, and two, it's much cheaper to drink at home, too. Um, but we definitely don't have to subject ourselves to, to everything that's in our environment, and alcohol definitely doesn't help with uh, weight loss. And I think also alcohol is a very depressive substance as well. So you might find yourself feeling a little uh, more blah uh, after drinking that nice glass of whiskey or martini. So that would be my tip of the day. <laughs> Okay, that's good. And um, as far as Nucific products, are these only available through your clinics or um, are these um, mainstream things that we can order? It's, uh, it's online. Uh, so you, will, you can just get on the website and there are a lot of promotions too around the holidays. So look out for that and uh, sign up with your emails uh, because oftentimes the social media will remind you what goes on sale and whatnot. And getting on the website itself could actually uh, connect you with a lot of my online videos and content and blogs on just healthy eating, healthy living in general. And so a lot of my clients do find it helpful. And there are some long videos as well as short ones. So 
Um, this depends on your patient span, um, what you are open to. But I think the website itself would uh, provide a lot of good info. Okay, and is that newcific.com or is that, is that yes, basically that's new civic. Okay. Yep, correct. Okay, and that's N-U-C-I-F-I-C, newcific.com. Okay, well, yep. wow, I know that I learned a lot today, and I'm sure my listeners learned a great deal. Um, you know, thank you for this. It's, this is something we can all really relate to right now. I think everybody is going through this right now. So uh, that's why I thought it was so important to have you on today to talk about this. So um, I'm really grateful that you shared all this with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It was super fun. I love sharing my knowledge. And, you know, in a nice conversation like this, it's during the time specifically, you know, everyone's just kind of, you know, we're all in tune and we, we, we want new information, but sometimes we just need to step back and understand that we are probably behaving poorly because of our anxiety from the mm-hmm. pandemic. So don't let it control you um, and be, be act different this time around. You know, this is your chance to make changes again to your health. So Sounds good. Sounds good. I think we tend to eat more when it's, the weather is colder, too. We tend to want more you know, heavier foods and fattier foods. So um, yep, I think we, natu- yep. we naturally gain weight during the colder weather, you know, colder, colder months. But, um, but spring is around the corner just as, as quickly as this came um, in March. I guess March will be back soon. But um, anyway, thank you. Um, have a wonderful day. I appreciate your, all the information You're you welcome. shared. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.